0: episode of In the Weeds, an artist interview series. We're trying something different this month, an immersive field recording from the Montreal studio of our guest, Olga Abeleva. Abeleva's paintings depict an underworld full of desire and coincidence. Inspired by archetypes, caricatures, and punchlines, Abeleva's images borrow from real memories with the inconsistencies, dramatizations, and exaggerations that occur in oral storytelling. Poetically figurative works, the viewer is invited to feel the ambiguity between fantasy and reality.
1: Okay. It's like unstretched. Whoa.
0: So Olga, we're in your studio. And I these the are
1: music. sorry.
0: <laughs> and uh these are much larger than what I imagined in scale and what I've seen before. The first time I saw your work was at L'Enconnu. I saw that show. Oh, cool. Yeah, I yeah. saw that one in person, and that was really exciting. I really loved your work in that show. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's And I remember the pieces were not quite this large. So what's... Sorry, what's the name of this one?
1: This is called Underworld.
0: Underworld. Okay.
1: Like the band. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um... Well, also, I'm kind of interested in these heaven and hell, this descent and ascent, and then kind of these transitional spaces, and especially like an escalator. Um, You know, like, yeah, one going up, one going down, you kind of can't change the trajectory of it. Mm -hmm. And then also this moment that's happening between these three people. I was really obsessed with coincidence at the time and kind of this moment, like, in a Hollywood movie where, like, uh, like something radical changes. Yeah, like, serendipity. So it could be, like, romance, jealousy, fear, whatever, like, whatever you read into this kind of threesome here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, like, a key moment. But then I also like this idea that the people are... Stuck in the trajectories that they chose. So unless you, like, run super fast up the other direction mm-hmm. on an escalator, it's, like, this person's going down, those people are going up. You can kind of, like, you can kind of tell by the person running out of the train here that, like, everything is pretty, like, happening pretty fast. And it's, like, kind of hard to change the trajectory, yeah, of, like, your fate, essentially.
2: mm
1: mm-hmm. um, But then, yeah, I was also really interested in, like, Underworld is this, like, yeah, in a more, like, mythological sense of, like, yeah, like, descending into hell and then people coming out of it. And, yeah. And then also these escalators, like, I kind of drew them, like, the escalators in St. Petersburg, which is where I grew up. They're super long because there's a river that runs through the city, so they have to dig really deep for the metro mm-hmm. because of groundwaters when you're on the escalator you're on it for kind of like 10 minutes just like really riding wow, that is really okay cool. maybe not 10 minutes i hell is the escalator and yeah just like <laughs> <meters per laughs> but you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah you're there for a while it's like a like such a vivid experience in my mind where mm-hmm. you're like stuck on this thing and then you're watching you're like looking forward and then you're just seeing like you know like 40 faces pass by you and Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's even a job which I'm, like, pretty sure that it's still not extinct, even though I, like, yeah, like, haven't been back for years. But, yeah, there's, like, a job of, like, this person in a booth at the bottom of the escalator whose job was to yell at people when they would, like, sit on the steps or run. And I'm also really obsessed with these, like, um, yeah, like, super obscure jobs that, like, somehow have not been pushed out of necessity yet mm-hmm. that are, like, so... It's, like, such a small, specific task that's, like, crazy that it hasn't been replaced by, like... Automation or something? Something, like, mm. yeah.
0: You know, I saw this painting online and I immediately thought of a subway uh, station, a metro station, in Montreal on the Blue Line. Oh. Um, whenever I go to the Jean Talon flea market, I have to transfer from the Orange Line to the Blue Line, and I forget which station that is. It might be... Um, it might be Jean Talon right and there's that really long escalator that goes down yeah, so it's like it's so I interesting to mean, hear yeah. that you modeled this one after your memories of one in St. Petersburg but it's like yeah it's so similar to the one
1: in Montreal that mm-hmm. yeah that's just what it brought up for me yeah no and I'm really interested in like architecture
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially of subway stations because it's can like there's such a wild range mm-hmm. Even in Montreal, like, yeah, they have some kind of, like, brutalist, weird, like, some, like, 80s kind of, like, glass brick, like, Mm -hmm. weird, like, murals. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's, like, a huge range. But I think I know the long escalator that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a beautiful painting.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, This one is
0: from 2020. Is that right? Yeah. Was that painted during the pandemic? Uh...
1: I think, oh, right I think right before right
0: before yeah yeah cuz I'm like these scenes of intimacy there's like people embracing
1: right yeah I don't know
0: if it was painted like in a nostalgia <laughs> of that or um yeah
1: yeah I think it was probably before Mhm Yeah, really beautiful piece yeah, and then I was also interested, like, all of these pieces kind of, like, from a couple of years ago, probably, like, starting at that show at, Link- at Lincoln U.N. Forward, are really kind of in the genre of murder mystery, hmm. and... There's, like, a little bit of tension in all of them, a little bit of mystique. That, like, in terms of plot, but then also in terms of some visual devices, too, like, I was really obsessed with shadows and, hmm. like, even these two shadows that these people cast are kind of, yeah, like, everything's kind of on the verge of becoming, yeah, like, um, a fairy tale, I guess, or I was also thinking about a lot of my paintings as being viewed through a child's perspective, hmm. or some, like, child slash someone really impressionable,
3: hmm.
1: or really, like, any, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's almost, like, already exaggerated and skewed, like, through the through the lens of the viewer who like saw it like that and so yeah and also I'm I'm just interested in like cinematic devices too of like like you know suspense music playing and then figuring mm-hmm. out how to portray that visually
0: so let me ask you real quick because I definitely see the influence of um kind of like your work as uh, staging for films and your paintings now that you've told me that's something that you do. Yeah. But which did you do first? Did you paint first or did you... Or were they kind of at the same time or did one precede the other at all?
1: Well, I started making paintings about theater hmm. probably seven years ago. So painting always came first. Like, i I just, like, paint... I've always painted. Um... But then, yeah, I got, like, really obsessed with theater almost, like, as an idea. So I was painting, like, spotlights and red curtains and, mm-hmm. like, every painting. And then I made this series of, like, like rats kind of going through, like, running through a scene. But they have the spotlight on them. And I was interested in them as kind of these agents of chaos <laughs> that come out when you know, once the audience leaves, the curtains are drawn, the -hmm. show is over, and then these other characters fill the stage. Like, I did a lot of paintings of insects and rats, kind of like things that are considered... Invisible? Like, yeah, vermin, and also, Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of like invisible hand, like backstage, and then they finally kind of get their spotlight once Mm -hmm. everyone leaves the theater. Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in that, and then, yeah, I slowly, like, yeah, so it started pretty literal, you know, like, yeah, like I said, like spotlight, red curtain, mm-hmm. like an audience member. I was also really interested in this, like, triangulation of, like,
3: yeah.
2: like
1: director, actor, and audience, so there was always these kind of, like, threesome things going on, like, in terms of, like, who's watching who and who's obeying mm-hmm. who. Um, and then, yeah, I started to dilute this these elements, so I still wanted there to be, like, a source of light that highlighted something that was kind of, like, the equivalent of pointing. And then I still am really interested in different types of framing in the same mm-hmm. way that a curtain does, mm-hmm. and also something that delineates, like, beginning and end. Yeah. But then I just started thinking, and you'll see it in, like, earlier paintings where it's more, like, obvious. I and even then, see it here, like, what you do with the lighting and what's illuminated and what's left in the darkness. It's
0: very... It's like you're drawing attention to things, you're leaving certain things in obscurity, and it definitely makes me think of theater in that way.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's more like... It's becoming more abstract at this point, you know, where I'm, like, experimenting yeah. with different light sources and trying to think of different ways of framing things. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, just, like, finding equivalence to these, like, theatrical elements. And then, essentially, I started, like... Then, at the same time, I was, like, writing stories that were... All about characters who inhabit the same world. And so it was. It all revolved around a character named Splenda. Mm
0: hmm.
1: Uh, I've heard of Splenda. Yeah. <laughs> also because I was like obsessed with this idea of like artifice and kind of double identity and like reality versus unreality, whatever. So wait,
0: does. Like, In the naming of Splenda, is it a reference to the sweetener Splenda, or is it something else?
1: Yeah, it references the sweetener kind of became this symbol for me for something that's almost like the real thing, but a bit off. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in bootleg. Like, I used to make bootleg, like, design, like, sell it. I love
0: bootleg design. Yeah, and I'm also
1: really interested in, like, bootleg is, like, so, yeah... Also, I think it's interesting how it exports this idea of, like, for lack of a better word, American dream to other places. Yeah. And then it's, like, becomes, it's, it, like, evolves to be its own version. Mm-hmm. And it's so different, like, bootleg and, like, there's, yeah, so many different bootleg versions depending on like where it's been exported to and then their own like interpretation totally. of like whatever it is but it all centers back to this kind of like western idea of luxury but then yeah it kind of like has this like feedback loop so yeah i was like really interested in that and artifice So then splenda became this like symbol for me for like something that yeah it's like it's a bootleg of sugar mm-hmm. which i think is iconic <laughs> and you know it's like yeah it's Uh, There was also this whole thing where they got... The company got sued for um, misleading advertising because I think the advertising was something like... It starts with sugar. It tastes like sugar, so it must be sugar or something like that. Uh And then they got sued for it because they, like... I forget the details now but I was like I looked into all I read all the like court files and stuff I was like so deeply embedded because it was like yeah such a such a fascinating thing to me of being like how close because it was almost like a ling, like a linguistic like trap you know where they were like well, law can be a theater. Like, the law system can
0: really feel like a theater sometimes. And, like, a huge performance, so.
1: Yeah, well, you even see the you outfits. Mean? Like, come yeah. on, you guys, yeah. where did you get that? The, the collars. Well, yeah, yeah whatever. Totally. It's, it's like dollar store couture. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I was just, like, really fascinated by that, by being like, oh, that's so funny that just, like, where this fake sugar as obviously like a symbol of so many larger things that are like imitations of another Mm -hmm. thing like where do you draw the line of like oh you've gone too far in your imitation of the real thing which Mm -hmm. is sugar because you use these words like it's like so i'm also like really interested in like language obviously as like someone esl like it sounds like you're interested in meaning
0: like, yeah. how, how people negotiate the meaning of something and where there's maybe stakes for it. I mean, I think that's, like, that's the work of an artist in a lot of ways, is to negotiate meaning and redefine it constantly and mm-hmm. kind of, like, be in dialogue with other people around it. And mm-hmm. a court proceeding around whether or not Splenda is sugar is <laughs> also a great example of people trying to negotiate
1: the meaning of sugar. yeah. But, yeah, I'm really interested in language, which is obviously, like, personal since I'm Mm. ESL. So I've, like, spent so much time thinking about translation and, like, uh, yeah, how meaning changes and, like, kind of, like, broken telephone style. And then it also relates to, like, oral histories and folklore and legends and how Mm -hmm. those get passed on and then more colloquial things like gossip and just all, like, kind of, like, the... Like, yeah, different varieties of, like, essentially storytelling that are kind of, like, present now and how they connect, like, more ancient things and these, like, superstitions that arise from that and whatever, all this stuff. And, yeah, so all of this kind of, like, circled back to Splenda when I was, like, writing stories about these fictional characters that were more, like, archetypes. So there was, like, the manager, the driver, Mm -hmm. uh, the neighbor... God, who else is there? The cult leader, whatever. Just, like, these different different people. And so then I wrote a play based on all of these stories that I've collected over the years. And then I made all of the costumes and sets. So that's also how I learned how to sew is because I, like... Was it that project specifically? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I kind of did it a bit backwards because... Yeah, I which I learned at the end. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like really yeah, like first I made the costumes. Then I kind of took these stories and and put them together and like translated them into dialogue, but then at the same time like all these paintings or a lot of them like kind of correspond to a story. So all these things were kind of being built in tandem mm-hmm. and then they got realized in like a theatrical production which was last October. And so, yeah, that was kind of, like, the culmination of that murder mystery series.
0: Yeah, well, your paintings came to life, it sounds like. Yeah. They kind of, like, like,
1: left the representational realm, and you tried to bring them into the world. Yeah, there's definitely a dialogue between them. And also, because I build my paintings in, like, in a way... It's almost like a soap opera, so it's kind of ongoing storytelling. But I think of the characters as almost autonomous, so I like like to give them the agency to travel between canvases mm-hmm. to kind of like visit each other. They also, like some paintings like borrow like a certain gesture or a, like a visual element or an object or like the same person appears in different roles. And it was very much, yeah, like theater. And then all of these were kind of just like different views of the same story depending on like whose perspective you were looking at it from oh this painting i love with the the cards okay yeah so i can kind of show you they're like a bit out of order because yeah i was just showing someone else but that's okay this also the what's, the, what's the title? Could you remind me? This is called Splenda's Day Off. Mm, so so this like Splenda. Direct. Well, any, you know, anyone can be Splenda. <laughs> that was kind of the thing, I guess, yeah. So in the murder mystery that I made, it was like a theatrical production, and it happened on three different floors of a building. And so um, the plot is that um, all these characters come together after the disappearance of Splenda and kind of try to figure out, like who she was, what she did how she disappeared and why she's mm-hmm. gone yeah why she's gone whether she was there in the first place mm. and so the audience um, can walk around to each room and experience like a monologue that the, each character did from their perspective um, and then all the characters kind of came together into one room and then there was like more traditional play of like whatever their interactions but the first half of the play was, Um, yeah, more, like, interactive, I guess, where each person, each character was in a room that was set up as their their world, like, their environment, and I made all the sets, and so you would really, like, get immersed into their world, and then it was kind of, like, yeah, make your own story or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this is, like, all, like, it's all a cycle, so, yeah, this is called Splenda's Day Off. It's not, like, no one is... Like, the whole thing about Splenda also... In the plays that she, you never, she never appears, and different people take on aspects of her, so she's never uh, really given like any physical characteristics. It's, she sounds like a rumor. Yeah, exactly. So it's also like a storytelling, like legend making. Mm-hmm. So for this, also, it's like you don't know who Splenda is, but there's like all these elements you can see in the play, like like everyone in this town is addicted to playing poker and that's kind of like where all the gossip also circulates. So that's At the poker of, table? Yeah, at the poker table. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the origin of that and then, and then, yeah, you can also see like certain elements like this broken window appears mm-hmm. in another painting and then this like gesture of the hand also is like borrowed from another character. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just like a singular character traveling from one plane to another. It's more like there exists this kind of collective vocabulary of gestures and objects and ideas, and then they kind of travel freely between the frames because I think I'm really, like, claustrophobic in painting. So I'm, like, trying to... It's also funny because I have weird, like... I just feel like paintings are luxury objects, and so it's funny because it's almost like a way for me to, to, like not devalue them but to bring them back to like working class where I'm like this is not a painting this is a prop like this is just like this or like this is a thing for something else like I'm just like you know what I mean it's like so funny because I'm like just so you know this is not the final thing (laughs) but it's also just because I'm like yeah I have this funny relationship with painting obviously I like love it I'm so in love with the medium and the physicality of it mm-hmm. is kind of, like, what I keep coming back to. You have a huge talent for expressing yourself through
0: painting. Yeah. I mean, that... I think that goes without saying. You're a very good painter. Oh, very you. original, too. Like, I... You're... Like, I recognize some kind of, like, zeitgeist that you're a part of, but your style is your own.
1: Like, I've never seen any, any other painting that reminds me of yours, mm, so... That's such a huge compliment. Yeah, I feel like... I went, like, when I went to art school, I went to Emily Carr, and I had a lot of antagonistic feelings, like, especially towards mm-hmm. the end of it. Yeah, I think that I was really interested in, like, material stuff, you know, so that's what it, that's what really excited me. You know, I was like, I want to learn how to silk screen, I want to learn how to do ceramics, I want to learn how yeah. to do this. But then I think because Emily Carr pushed a very particular, like, brand of art that didn't really align with my vision and then I kind of dug myself into this conceptual hole where I was like I can't paint Mm. or just like yeah I had like I essentially overthought things and then when I came out of art school and I moved here I kind of allowed myself the freedom to make stuff that was more earnest which is like such a like it's like making earnest work is like looked down so much it
0: i wish it wasn't because i i get what you're saying i
1: think that happens a lot in storytelling is
0: you have this idea of what like good writing is as opposed to like honest writing or telling a story that's your own and that's you know that should be enough i think the best stories come from people's experiences Mm -hmm. but that's not what i was never encouraged to look inward in uh in
1: art school I was always taught to emulate the masters like whoever they were yeah it's so interesting well, I think Emily Carr in particular has this brand of like conceptualism and, like I think that the way in which I make work which is like what I believe in is yeah like story driven and kind of like it took me a while to build the logic on which this world is built Outside of any guidance, mm. so in a way, I feel like all of this work I made, yeah like I had to like unlearn so much essentially from yeah from art school and then I made this work in more or less like a vacuum mm-hmm. because I like moved to Montreal. I didn't really know anyone here. I was just you know like painting by myself, thinking, reading, that's mm-hmm. it. and I wasn't even like showing work for a while either. So it was kind of important for me to have this period for it to germinate in this way to, yeah, just to, like, especially because I am so interested in, like, world building. It, it had to have some space for it to kind of establish itself in this way that, yeah, is like, obviously, like, I, yeah, I don't, like, figure, like, there's waves of, like, Figuration that are super popular in like the art world at large but Emily Carr was such a specific and mm-hmm. had like such specific traditions of image making
0: yeah.
1: um, in this way that were really funny for like a figurative painter mm-hmm. so I think I really like yeah I kind of stopped for like a couple of years and then I really only came back to it in a in a super earnest way of being like I'm making things that are funny mm-hmm. like there's not enough humor in art that's my like that's my biggest criticism of mm-hmm. the art world at large. Like,
0: I think it's hard to make people laugh, because laughter is, like... There's a, a recognition that has to happen. It's like you kind of have to understand what the joke is in order to laugh at the joke, and yeah. to, like, understand what you're disagreeing with or agreeing with. Mm-hmm. But also there's, like, a lot of joy involved, and I think that it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to make people feel positive things. I think it's... Um, I don't know, I think it's easier to focus on negativity, but...
1: Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, like, this stuff that I started making was really, like, yeah, it was, like, building this world, and then it was in tandem with these stories that I was writing, and then eventually it was cool because it did culminate in a theatrical performance, so in a way, all of these are kind of, like, stills, or whatever. Yeah. Or... Whatever, like character sketches or something. Like I like this idea that, um, that it like communicates to this other level, kind of. And then yeah, this one. This is a
0: really great painting. Oh, thank you. It It reminds me of dating. I mean, we project whatever we
1: want onto other people's work. Oh yeah, no, I love hearing that. Also, yeah, I get like. I'm like, I can give you a spiel, but I'm also interested just to hear your take.
0: Okay. I can go first, or you can go first. Yeah, no, go first. Maybe if I go first, then mine won't be (laughs) affected by what it it was for you. Um, Yeah, like, this one reminds me very much of just, like, being in my early 20s and showing up at some dive bar to go on a date with somebody that's hot, but not right for me. (laughs) You know, there's something about the way that... He's sleuthing and she's dressed and like the the posture of the foot is kind of coy and shy and seductive. And then the little sticker on the bottom of the shoe, like it's thrifted. <laughs> you know?
1: Yes. Yeah, There's a
0: lot of beautiful details in all of your paintings that are honestly they're they're a really healthy reminder that it's important to see things in person if you can because a lot of this would be missed and was missed by me when I was just looking at your work on your website or like documentation on some kind of like art viewer journal or something and when you see things in person you really get to zero in on like the sheer dress and the little thong and the little sticker on the bottom of the shoe and the tattoo that's peeking through the other shirt Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't even notice the hot love poster that's kind of fading mm-hmm. underneath the bar. You know, like all these things are they can be missed but they shouldn't.
1: Yeah. They shouldn't painting is like it's insane. Yeah, I just hate or whatever. Just like it's it's I don't hate the internet obviously, but it's just really interesting how because everyone got so obsessed and addicted to images in such huge quantities and painting mm-hmm. or other images are obviously, like, the most shareable things in terms of, like,
3: yeah. what you
1: can consume with the attention span that you have for social media. Mm-hmm. But it is really, yeah, interesting, like, this... Like, to me, painting is, like... It's an in-person experience, 100%. Yeah, I like,
0: think it's really... it's you can really make the most of it in, in person well at the end of the day it is an
1: object yeah, you yeah know, it's three and, like, dimensional size matters so much at, yeah. like textures you can even see in person yeah there's mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot but yeah this painting is called Blind Spot because also I was obsessed with cars so I was like naming everything after car terminology but then this idea of a blind spot of like something that you're not expecting, that can, like, hit you out of nowhere if you're not Mm -hmm. looking, Mm -hmm. or when you finally learn how to shoulder check, you're like, oh, fuck. Uh There's a huge truck there. Uh And, yeah, I was really obsessed with this idea of coincidence, and so I wanted to paint moments um, where something critical is about to happen kind of like what I was talking about with the escalator Mm -hmm. so here it's like this person is reaching for their keys that they lost and then maybe they are about to like bump into this other person sitting on the chair
2: Mm.
1: or whatever like it's like yeah I'm not like prescriptive about narratives but I really wanted to, to paint like you know a second before collision and obviously it's romantic too a romantic like, collision potentially or the romance of it is just like the yeah the allure like the setup, the mm-hmm. you know like yeah this hot love poster then also this kind of grimy stuff of like gum mm-hmm. underneath the table and spiderweb but, mm-hmm. but then and the, yeah like crawling on the dirty floor with cigarette butts but then yeah mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. there's these kind of like like an like uh a pure love in the most unlikely place. Like, some kind of, like, tagline like this of also, like, pu- like pulp fiction, you know? That's kind of, like... All of these could also be, like, covers for pulp fiction novels hmm. in the genre of, like, yeah, romance or murder mystery. So, yeah. But really, it is about falling in love, like, out of nowhere. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. You can, I like you told me that, but I, I sensed it somehow. Yeah, you know, like, I think that you create this nice, um, you, these visual cues that kind of lead me to the same conclusions that you wanted me to get
1: to. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, maybe I should no. talk less. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no But I, <laughs> yeah, no, it's nice
0: to know that. Um, well, maybe I, I don't know. Is it nice for you to know that your intentions for what you were painting do come across?
1: Yeah, definitely well I think that's what's cool about painting as opposed to other mediums um, is that at the end of the day it does exist outside of language mm-hmm. you know and I think talking about something whose purpose it is is to evade language is just like
3: mm-hmm.
1: building a prison around it that you're try that it was trying to escape in the first place that's why like any interview of a painting (laughs) is silly you know what I mean yeah but obviously I'm so obsessed with like language too I like think about it all the time but it's really funny because like yeah I can definitely talk about it in like ways in which I have thought about it ways in which I've constructed it meaning that I've projected onto it Mm -hmm. but 100% by like making an object and putting it out into public space in any way I'm Mm -hmm. like Ready for it to get devoured by the audience, like as they wish, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, I know. So what you mean. I think that's the the beauty in a lot of the arts, as opposed to other things, is that it it has its strength and ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Like its point is to be ambiguous and contested.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's interesting. Yeah, so so in a way, like there is no misinterpretation. Like mm-hmm. any interpretation is valid, and I accept it all and. It's kind of cool how paintings gain meaning too with age. Mm -hmm. For me even, because the more people look at them like they point out something to me that I never even thought of and then Mm -hmm. it kind of just like collects more layers of potential meaning, you know. Yeah. But in a way it's also so locked into physical reality. So it's kind of like interesting.
0: What I wanted to say is that they also become with time artifacts of a certain time that's like that's gone Mm -hmm. and it's like the way that people saw the world you still have this
1: physical remnant of Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's really interesting yeah definitely like because painting is so personal to me it's like Mm -hmm. so obviously biographical I would never divulge the details you know but for sure yeah you know Yeah. I mean all these characters are yeah like they all have a place somewhere like stuff that I've lived through Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah Yeah, I don't know is there any other one that you're like interested in talking about this one I've seen and I
0: would love to know yeah a little bit more about it um i'm reminded of this interview that i read that you did with uh, editorial magazine oh, and it was yeah. like a halloween issue or something like yeah. that. yeah and i remember um i read it after i had seen your work for the first time and basically the sense i got from the interview was that like your work was kind of contextualized as kind of creepy you know like like that it was like in the horror genre but I couldn't disagree more with that
3: you
2: know mm. like to
0: me I've well this is a longer story but I think that oh, when I, I wanna know <laughs> well <laughs> the first time I saw your work the reason that I think that it was so special and this is something that I talked to um the last interviewer Ayla Materko about was like the strength of seeing your your like the culture that you identify with reflected back at you through cultural products And like, growing up as a teenager, after I immigrated, I really didn't see myself in the world around me for a very long time. And so when I began as an adult to encounter like, other people from Eastern Europe that were making contemporary art, it was like, it was so radical for me, because I had never experienced anything like that, like not in film, not, not really in any other medium. And so the fact that you use like, I don't know, there's this painting that you have uh, where you label the soap mula, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, like, that creates a whole world for me that I can be, feel like I'm a part of Mm -hmm. because I understand the language, and that comes back to what you were just saying about language and all the power that it has over us. Um, But yeah and so for that reason whenever I looked at your work I was like oh I feel very seen by this I feel like a lot of affinity towards like the person that made these paintings and so I would never yeah like it just like the genre when I was reading that interview it was like the the kind of characterization of this person's work as being part of like a horror genre just doesn't I don't I can't relate you know interesting
1: yeah well I do think that I'm interested in ominous atmosphere mm-hmm. as an overarching mood, which I think is true for a lot of, like, <laughs> Russian literature. Yeah. You know, the mood is not great. <laughs> the mood is existential dread. Yes. yes, So that's kind of what I was interested in, especially, yeah. yeah, these, like, earlier paintings that I was making that were more, like, like, this painting is so Eastern European to me. It's kind of this, like, this, like like stove thing that, oh, yeah, the yeah, house yeah. that you like lay on because it retains the heat throughout the night mm-hmm. and then this kind of like sleep paralysis demon but also like protector and I was interested in this like yeah like this world and after world and like animal human like relationship protection and then this kind of like religious iconography mm-hmm. that's like in the corner that's also right, like, right. you know the what red, I mean the
0: like, red corner yeah
1: yeah so it's very like reminiscent of that but then yeah definitely in other pieces there is I wouldn't say that it's an element of horror until like now. I'm actually making paintings that are like stills from horror movies. Hmm. Um, but in this other, in the previous era, I would say it's more suspense. Mm-hmm. And well, especially now since I like did this play, it really kind of wraps up this period super neatly as like the murder mystery era. Mm-hmm. You know, and since I was really interested in theater and different plot. Um mechanisms of a murder mystery I was yeah interested in this like what was i oh, telling sorry, I just had a studio visit right before, so I like, can't remember what I told to who oh it's okay, but yeah, I'm interested in this like triangulation between like actor audience, and director, mm-hmm. so these like I'm just interested in like yeah tri- like triangulation in general, so mm-hmm. i would always I would always place like a voyeur like you can see here it's kind of like this I had this, like, subplot of Italian matches of, Mm -hmm. like, uh, with the whole, like, Splenda thing. But then, yeah, I would always place, like, someone looking in on the scene. So it's someone who maybe has the power and is the actual, like, director of it all, who's, like, humbly watching from backstage, or maybe it's the audience member who the whole thing is performed for. Which just interesting, like, different power dynamics that are created between all of the actors in the scene. But, yeah, so this painting, it's part of... I had this show called Gas Station, and so it was all car-related. I was really obsessed with cars. Mm -hmm. I, like, just... Yeah, like, one of my favorite books is Crash by J.G. Ballard, which is, like, about this guy who gets sexually turned on by car crashes. So, and, like, okay, that's such a crude way to describe it, but, yeah, essentially he gets obsessed with, like, it's almost like early sci-fi. It's like the ways in which like machinery and human body blend mm. and especially like, yeah, after an accident all the like metal debris and then broken bones and whatever like this whole thing and he like yeah, it's like hyper sexual and yeah, I was just like really obsessed with a car as this like also some like kind of related to this feeling of like coincidence suspense and mystery of, like, something is about to happen, Mm -hmm. which, like, cars are such, like, common objects, but really, they're, like, you know, they're, like, a home and also, like, a death, you know? coffin. Yeah, it's, like, this, like, it's just, like, There's, like, so much possibilities, but everything's happening at 120 Uh kilometers an hour, also, because I'm a reckless driver, so, like... uh uh, You know what I mean? So, it's, like... Yeah, yeah, I was just, like, really interested in cars as this, like, space, kind of, like... Uh And you're always going from, like, point A to point B, or in circles, or... But, you know what I mean? It's, like, some kind of, like... It's, like, purgatory a bit, like, whatever. I was, like, just... I'm just obsessed with cars in general. Mm -hmm. And so, here...
0: There's a lot of tenderness in this painting.
1: Yeah, it's called backseat, so it's maybe like, you know, whatever you want to write into it. Like, it's confession, heartbreak, Mm -hmm. tenderness, affinity, rejection, whatever it is. But it's happening in the backseat of this car. And then I'm really interested in this window wiper that acts as a metronome. Mm Mm-hmm because I look at a lot of these paintings cinematically, it's really important for me to have a sense of time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so I'm looking for things to kind of remind us of that. Yeah. Because I'm really, like, yeah, I'm, like, really fighting against a painting just being, like... Timeless? uh, Or without a tempo? Just being an image. Mm -hmm. Or being, like, singular. I'm, like, just so you know, like, this, like, it's, like, yeah, I'm always, like... Plotting for some kind of like bigger movement yeah. within the canvases or like now, like I said, which I can get to, like, yeah, I'm making these like um like it's like a new series and all of the paintings I want them to be yeah, like stills from a horror movie that one day I'll make. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's obvious to me in the escalator, the sort of pace of things. This one as well, the windshield wiper acts as, like, something that sets the tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about some of these other ones that we just talked about? Is there some, something in the painting that's kind of, like, giving us a sense of time? Maybe the keys that were dropped that someone is remembering they left?
1: Yeah, it's not something that I use in every single painting, but in that it's almost, like, in that it's just, like, a meeting of, like, like, yeah, the keys dropping, the person reaching, this other person being there, and then, like,
0: mm-hmm. what
1: will happen after the collision?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean about, like, these little cues that remind you that something preceded the painting. Mm-hmm. Like, something had to precede the painting in order for this sort of, like, situation or dynamic between the characters in the painting to
1: kind of converge as they are in the moment that you paint them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's why I'm so obsessed with cigarettes, too, because it's such a classic trope of murder mystery, you know, yeah. where it's like, the cigarette is still warm, so yeah. he must have just left, you yeah, know, or she yeah. must have just been here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was really obsessed with, like, yeah, cigarette butts on the floor. Also, that's another metronome. Like, you can see it in this painting, which is called Night Shift. Um Oh, uh, I see, I see. The yeah, so this butts. painting is called Night Shift, and, yeah, it was directly related to the play. So there was this kind of character of the manager who runs this ominous, ubiquitous operation called the company. So it's very like archetypal, like broad brush strokes, types of like characters and scenarios. But in terms of timing, I'm really interested in someone who's a chain smoker. Mm -hmm. And so you can tell the passage of time. Like, you know, let's Mm -hmm. say each cigarette is three minutes. So it's like three, six, nine, twelve. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because
1: also I used to be a chain smoker, so.
0: Me too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So it would be like such a. There's no other way. (laughs) When I would be like, yeah, sitting on like a windowsill smoking a cigarette. For me, it was driving. Right, yeah, well, there's a lot that triggered it, like any any occasion really, but it was just like so visual you know, that I would be like, yeah. oh, I was here for 20 minutes because I smoked like,
3: mm-hmm. you know like 10 mm-hmm. cigarettes
1: or whatever so here, yeah, I'm really interested in that, kind of as almost like timekeeping, and then this painting is also kind of earlier on when I was using more uh, like direct references to theater you know, so like a framing of a curtain then this like stage light and then also this brick wall that kind of almost turns into a curtain at the bottom too so mm-hmm. this idea of like illusion reality and then that's the obvious thing with like theater too you know like like how abstract can you get for a sign to still deliver the message to the audience mm-hmm. and this like suspense of disbelief you know and like looking at a cardboard moon Understanding that it's made out of cardboard, but it's like semiotics, you know. But yes, then still yeah. being like it's nighttime because it's moon. But then like how far can you push it? Mm. And then obviously just like yeah, certain like rules that apply within like a theater that are that are also like you can find in other situations, but because they're like less defined, maybe you have like more suspicion or whatever. Yeah,
0: I mean it's a little late for me to ask this question, but what what. Where does your love for theater come from, and when did it begin?
1: Um, I don't know. I think I just, I got really interested in it, in, like, the visuals of it, almost in a cartoon way. Mm -hmm. Like I said, yeah, like, seven years ago, when I started painting, yeah, like, literal curtains in theater, and also because I was thinking about artifice and illusion, and I was making these bootlegs. It just seemed like the natural progression of entering something where everything is um, like everything is symbolic in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think I was also interested, yeah, like in symbols, how they're using storytelling, and then everything just kind of became meta. And then I was sure. like, got into theater. Then when I learned how to sew, then I was like making costumes for theater too, like for, you know what I mean. So it yeah. all kind of like into one another but originally I was interested in yeah just these like signs
0: hmm.
1: signs and symbols of theatre
0: yeah oh yeah this is a good one actually there's a painting of yours that I really love that I haven't seen yet it's of a woman um, behind a key like behind the glass of a kiosk and there's a a taped piece of paper hanging. yeah uh, is that here or is that somewhere else
1: that one got sold when I had oh, the show at Lincoln U yeah so I don't have it but yeah, is that one uh, related to the escalator? You mentioned that woman in the booth. Was it? Oh, true. That's a really good point. I was thinking about that booth as being more um, like office.
0: Because
1: mm. at the time I was in French school. Mm-hmm. And so I was like dealing with a lot of really funny, almost like middle school bureaucracy where you constantly yeah. had to sign like a, a Form for a field trip and this Mm -hmm. and that like whatever just like these really funny, totally symbolic also, completely abstract paperwork which was like it was like throwback like it's like, yeah it's like it was like the absurdity of. The bureaucratic system in Quebec is like Soviet style. I was just gonna
0: say that's immediately what I thought of when I saw that painting, and I'm so shocked to hear you say that because it transported me to Belarus and all the times I've had to deal with the bureaucracy there. Yeah. Which is like on another level because it's just a police state. And yeah, there was something about. I, you know, I couldn't like put my finger on what about the symbolism and the iconography in that painting that just like made that click for me, but. I'm just yeah I'm so surprised to hear that it Mm
1: -hmm. that's where it
0: came from but from Quebec
1: Quebec oh my god yeah it's so funny because yeah it like has a lot of really cool social services you know that are actually like yeah like that are really cool for students and newcomers but then there's this whole other side it's like also so xenophobic in so many ways and the bureaucracy of it all and the language makes it like so inaccessible it's just Mm -hmm. like it's also so stuck in, compl- like, in another era of, like, faxing and <laughs> filling out endless papers and, like, having to, like, yeah, like, to take this French, to take this French class, I had to, like, I had to, like, translate my birth certificate and, like, all this stuff. It's like, Whoa. Yeah, it was, like, so hardcore. They needed so much paperwork for me to learn, like, how to conjugate freaking verb. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, it was just, like... Yeah, so ridiculous because obviously like in so much like Soviet literature there is a lot of parody of that type the of the bureaucracy. Yeah. The bureaucracy and the institution that it is and mm-hmm. and just like the ridiculous ends to which it would go. So it was funny funny for me to experience that here. <laughs> and yeah, just there's a lot of similarities.
0: Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: But then that painting also, um, yeah, it has that kind of murder mystery thing of, like... Well, I was also really interested in, like, splitting up... Ways in which you can split up space, like a plane, like a 2D plane, both in terms of, like, space and time. So I was really interested in, yeah, like, cross-sections, you know, or... So something can be, like, two rooms existing in the same plane, but then you can also read them as two moments in time, almost like, yeah, like film stills or comic strips. And so with that also, yeah, it was, like, one of the splittings that I did where there was, like, action happening on the top of this, like, woman kissing her lover and kind of, like, being, you know, like being promiscuous at work and whatever, like... You know what I mean? Like, being, like, this kind of, like, oppressive office environment and her actually, like, having a little bit of fun. But then also this whole other story unfolding on the bottom, which is just the shadow of this bog. But then it also becomes this, like, monstrous figure. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of these two realities also, like, hell and heaven and, like... Kind of like reality and fantasy and then how like one small event can kind of get like exacerbated into this like huge thing because I'm also interested in like memory and how you remember things and like yeah. holes in memory and how that represents like whatever just like yeah.
0: yeah that's really um that reminds me of this thing that I heard recently I wish I could remember where I heard this but Basically, someone was explaining that we don't... In in our memories, we don't have a memory of the original event. We have memory of the last time we thought about it. Mm-hmm. And so, in that way, it's always like a game of telephone, and our memories are always morphing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that someone like you is able to paint their memories and kind of, like, almost solidify them and recall the memory through
1: the, like, physical object that you create. hmm Yeah, it's really interesting... Yeah, the relationship between memory and trauma, also mm, what we and, choose to remember. Yeah, or like holes in memory and what yeah. they signify, it and then also like planted memories or like someone's projection, just whatever. Yeah. Like, just like there's so many, so many possibilities for how reality is interpreted, and then also like narratives that you build in your own head. Yeah, and yeah, I'm really interested in. That's why I'm really interested in painting as a medium or any type of image making as a medium because it offers like like even even though a painting is still in certain ways because it's like solidified materially as paint on canvas mm. in so many other ways like even as we've talked about our interpretation like it's totally malleable in this way and yeah. like gains more meaning over time and yeah yeah but it's interesting yeah I feel like now like not to jump ship but yeah so now I'm making work that's you know, I just like yeah changed I just like changed the genres of pulp
4: fiction
1: <laughs> now I like I'm doing horror but it's true like all of these new paintings that I'm starting to make um yeah, I think of them as steals from horror movies, or from from a single horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm like really interested in architecture and also the architecture's ability to, yeah, preserve memory as well. And I want to play with like, yeah, certain like repressed memories that are maybe like like not accessible to you and like not as clearly outlined and then other things that come to the foreground like like yeah like an event of that later became more valuable then you look back on it and it's kind of like uh, changed in its grandiosity mm-hmm. and I'm also yeah really in like all this architecture is going to align so I was even gonna build a maquette of this essentially like giant haunted house, oh, and then wow. each painting was gonna take place in one of the rooms, but then I decided against it because I don't want to contain it in like uh, a physical, like a material space that's bound by like laws of physics. Mm-hmm. But all of these are gonna have like maybe you're gonna see the courtyard out of this door, and then mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to see like the side of this building like in another. So so essentially like when I have a show with all of these paintings and you walk around you're gonna have this feeling of like getting deeper and deeper inside of this haunted house that you like can't really get out of Mm -hmm. so I'm really like I'm being more intentional with architecture where before it was more like planes you know but here I'm like thinking more about the like the specific details and then yeah it also has these elements of like um, like yeah, folklore and symbolic potential and potential in all of these interactions, but then there's also like water and fluidity and uh, yeah fluidity of memory and
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of when you mentioned memory in this painting um, because I thought it was complete. And so when I looked at the two doors, I'm like, oh, it's so interesting that you chose not to paint anything on the other side because very often that's how my memories feel to me when I recall them is that I don't know what preceded it immediately and Mm -hmm. what came after it immediately. And so it's like, if this is the memory, you can't see what came before or
1: after Mm -hmm. as much as you try. You know? Yeah. Does this one have a name yet? Uh, it's called Ant Spill. Ant Spill. But Ant spelled like, A-U-N-T. Oh, okay. Because it's like, yeah, I was thinking, well, yeah, I had this image of a bunch of ants, like, the insect, gathered around, like, a spill of something mm-hmm. sweet, like, a hundred of them, kind mm-hmm. of, in this, like, perfect symmetrical fashion, kind of, like, animals around a waterhole. hole and this idea that the other are addicted to this thing like it's just sweets
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the kind of like horror implication of it too, you know, of like stepping into something, getting stuck, you can't get out but then I wanted to translate it into more like uh, everyday possibility so I wanted to have kind of like a dinner party and then they spilled some kind of substance and now they're wiping it up all of these like Mm -hmm. like, maybe family members, but then, yeah, I really wanted them to be um, insect-like, so their butts are up in the air, and they're almost, like, transforming into insect-like things, plus they're wearing these kind of, like, BDSM latex outfits Mm -hmm. It's like, also very, like, ant-like, but then, yeah, I'm really interested in kind of, like, painting things that are, like... I'm kind of like trying to think of like what is at the root of horror and it's like something that we oh yeah I was like looking into like all of these like theories of like objection like Julia Kristeva mm-hmm. who talks about like something abject as something that like repulses us but also came from us yeah. and that's why it's almost more horrifying because it's something that we identify with despite not wanting to mm-hmm. and this And how that relates to, like, various, like, um, othering.
0: Yeah, transgressions
1: and what we understand as a
0: transgression.
1: Yeah, so I'm interested in, like, kind of painting that as well. Like, something, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, essentially, like, I want to give all these new paintings, uh, like, a feeling like, yeah, like, nothing is wrong yet, but ominous music has begun to play, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this idea of this, like, you know, it's like things that you can still, exp- it's like in a horror movie when you're kind of like, like after you say, what could possibly go wrong, you know? Uh-huh. And like, it's still like, especially in like more like supernatural horror movies, it's like, it's like, oh, this must just be a leak from the basement. Oh, so you must have just, you know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you try to find explanations for things that are happening within the reality that you know. And then I want to capture now this, transition from like when it becomes almost like when it's about to take over to a point where you can't explain it anymore so that's why i'm interested in it's like substance that they're wiping up and it's going to be all shiny
2: mm-hmm. so
1: it's going to be like almost tar like yeah with more like danger like s- like of sticking to it but then yeah it's like it's just about to get out of their control like but for now they're still just like they're like just gotta wipe up this spill like the aunties at the dinner party you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's not done
0: (laughs) it could be yeah i'm excited
1: to see these are you planning to show them somewhere yeah i'm gonna have a show in january so it's kind of a nice chunk of time to be working Mm -hmm. towards it
0: olga thank you so much for telling us stories in your studio today
4: Just got worse from there. I don't get it. I just wanted to buy something that people would want to look at. Spruce up that highway median. Isn't that what art's supposed to be? Man, you know, you're dang dang old naive, man. Talk about a little, you know, like a dang old Dada you know, like a little toilet in a museum, man. You don't talk about no dang old ideas, man.
2: Get it.
5: Почти, что в каждом доме своя и не одна. Электричество, газ, телефон, водопровод, коммунальный рай без хлопот и забот. Город сказка, город мечта. Попадаешь его в сети пропадаешь навсегда. Глотая воздух простуды сквозь нос, запах амбаций и дорогих духу. Падаю в его сети, пропадаешь навсегда. Двадцать раз вдыхал простуды с запахом запах бензина и дорогих духов. Ты высоких труб, белых седых облаков нам укажет приближение холодных ветров, танец солнечных лучей в паутине проводов, над чистыми крышами обшарпанных домов и тура встречи цветным витринам. Мимо пролетают дорогие лимузины, в них женщины проносятся с горящими глазами, холодными сердцами, золотыми волосами. Город сказка, город мечта Попадая в него сети пропадаешь навсегда Вода его воздух, простуды сквозняков Запах бензина и дорогих духов.